Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them, would you please, to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Hope in Perilous Times. Hope in Perilous Times. And there's no doubt whatsoever, especially if you've been joining us on our midweek Bible study, there is no doubt whatsoever that we are living in the last days. That the last days are upon us. And that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is near. And that's all our hopes desire. We cry out in our hearts, Maranatha, even so, Lord, come quickly. However, we need to remember that associated with the last days are a lot of difficult times. What, what Paul told Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And here we are watching perilous times. Listen to how he describes it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, but know this, young pastor, know this, church, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And a segment of these folks, listen, will be having a form of godliness but denying its power. That some of this stuff will even be coming from people that say they're followers of Jesus. He says, against such people turn away. When I say that we're living in the last days, that's not an exaggerated pastor statement. It's just a fact. The world is hurting and angry and lashing out. Violence is in the streets and chaos seems to reign, especially after dark. But it's not just them, some of you are in deep pain and struggling. Some of you are suffering and dealing with emotions you haven't dealt with before or haven't dealt with in a long time. You're concerned, you're worried about the future. And I know there's a tendency to lash out, even to cry out, to express yourself. You know how easy it is to watch the news broadcast and say, I can't believe they're lashing out, I can't believe what they're doing, but I want you to consider just for a moment how this whole quarantine thing has affected you personally. And I wonder for some listening, when was the last time you lashed out and you screamed across the room or you pounded a table just because you got to the edge. And it wasn't reflective of the love of God. You were just mad and upset and impatient. Felt like you're not being heard. And on a much smaller scale, of course, it's reflective of that sin nature that's in all of us. That unrestrained from the Holy Spirit, unrestrained from the Holy Spirit, we're all gonna make bad decisions. For the believer living out in the flesh. And part of, what, part of what we watch is a world separated from God. 
And people separated from God make very sinful decisions. I know there's that tendency to be upset, but there's the also when frustrations come, it's not just lashing out and getting upset. A lot of people, they tend to withdraw and pull back and just shut down. That's kind of a phrase of just shut down because it's too much and you can't handle it. I'm sure that some of you watching online right now are not here because you're in a high risk and you're not here because you have children. You're, You're here because... You just can't take being around people right now. You're withdrawing. But you know, the Bible says, the Bible says that it's foolish for us to isolate ourselves. And it won't do us the kind of good that we think it will. But where you are, it's a hard place. And it's difficult. You could say you have your own perilous times. We live in a time with great pain and suffering and sorrow even sicknesses that quickly become great frustrations and faults. And James, as he writes in chapter 5 here in James, he's writing to a group of weary, scattered believers, encouraging them but also challenging them that because they're under great duress and they're under great difficulty doesn't mean they don't need to obey God anymore. As a matter of fact, James takes a strong stand and says, no, because of the condition you're in, God is calling you to a higher level of obedience, a higher level of of carefulness, a higher level of not showing partiality, a higher level of honoring people of every step. Like James is saying, look, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but God is calling to you to a greater level of dependence, not less. And that's a great message for the church today. That we might be the generation that makes a change. It's our generation. You know what? As much as I look at this and how hard it's been and how challenging, we were born for this, church. We were born for this time in this generation. You go, Ed, how can you say that so, so confidently? Because you're alive right now. Here we are. We are growing up in some of the most difficult, challenging times, and God has us here on purpose. Notice in James chapter 5, I want to draw out a couple words if you take notes. It'll help us as we continue through this section. I want to just show you a couple words. Turn to James 5 verse 13. Just a couple, this is a, a real simple Bible study for us to remember that hope, the root of hope is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And how is it that we can have hope in tumultuous times, in perilous times? Well, he, he says in verse 13, if anyone among you is suffering, would you mark that word suffering? The original language, that word could also mean afflicted. Are you afflicted? Are you suffering today? You could also write next to it difficult circumstances, that hard times have come. Are you in hard times? You could also write to this, right next to this, enduring hardships. Are you you experiencing a hardship? Are you experiencing a hard time right now? Are you afflicted, burdened, suffering? God has a word for you. Not only that, notice down in verse 14, It says, is anyone among you sick? We'll get to that in a moment. And the word sick means exactly what you think it means. Physically sick. Like you have a problem in your body that needs medical attention. Sick. 
But the word also means in other contexts, listen, this is amazing. Write it down, circle it, write in the margins. This word can also be translated powerless. Do you feel powerless today? It can be translated feeble. Do you feel like you're weak and feeble today? Lacking strength, dealing with infirmity or sickness. Part of our response in perilous times is that we feel afflicted, suffering, difficult circumstances, hardships. We're powerless, feeble, lacking strength. We want our voices to be heard. We want our opinions to be received. And it's in difficult times. You see, tough times have come to this scattered, wandering, weary group of Christians that James is writing to. And for sure, they're going to come to you too. And me. Because Christians suffer. Non-Christians suffer. Sin has caused a lot of damage throughout the years. I know it'd be a lot nicer if Christianity was a pass on pain I know there is this sense in most of us, I wouldn't say all of us, but there's this sense in most of us that the televangelist teaching the false doctrine of the prosperity gospel, there's like, I wish it was true. I wish I could throw a dollar down on the table and get a million back. I wish I could have someone else's faith heal me of every sickness, but that's not reality. That's not biblical truth. Every one of us face difficulty and trial and some of us more than others. Some of us were born into deeper difficulties and trials. Some of us had an easier life and everything in between. It would be really great that, you know, since we're a Christian, we get a pass and only the people that hate God have to suffer. But we all suffer together. Many times when we're in trouble, we're prone to blame it on this and blame it on that. I saw recently in a response to something I posted on Twitter, somebody wrote back, yeah, this whole thing that's going on, all the riots, it's the mainstream media's fault. It is not the mainstream media's fault, whatever that means to you. It is the sinful decision of individuals in all of our lives. We can't blame it on the devil. The devil made me do it. The devil did not make you do anything. That would be convenient. You're standing before God. Why was your life such a mess, Ed? The devil made me do it. And God says, oh, I didn't know that. You get a pass. No, every bad thing I've ever done, I did of my own sinful choice. And it's easy to blame. But blame solves nothing. When we begin to take responsibility for our own lives, the Holy Spirit is released in you. And he empowers you. It's like the Lord saying to us as a church, but I've been wanting to do this in you for so long, but you have grieved me. And I've been wanting to do this in you for you so long, but you have quenched me. And I'm ready to do it again because God is gracious and compassionate. And he's looking to men and women, boys and girls that follow him, that will learn to live an abiding relationship. God is sovereign. And whether it's the personal pains you're facing right now, or it's the 
societal pains that we're all facing together, we have to ask ourselves, could God be using this? And the answer is, yes. God works all things together for the good. For those that love him, those that are called according to his purpose, nothing is outside of the sovereign plan of God. No matter what comes into my life, I will trust you, God. I will hold on to you, and I will believe what your word says, that you are taking care of me. And it's interesting that we are so prone to forget that God is at work and that he's working things out according to his purpose. Where are you today? Watching online, listening on the radio, sitting in this room, where are you today? Are you upset with our culture? Are you mad at the government? Are you hurting and grieving over racism? Are you listening to this from a hospital room with a diagnosis? Is everything crashing in around you? Could God be using it? Could he be lining things up for his purposes? We used to sing a song here, it's an old song. We haven't sung it in a long time, but let me quote it to you instead of from mine. It says, my hope is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. My life is in you, Lord. It's in you, it's in you. We're we're in him and he's working things out for his glory and our good. And we get to actively participate in the will of God on the earth today. Hope comes from that sense of knowing the sovereignty of God. In Psalm 38, verse 15, listen, it says, For in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear me, O Lord my God. And so I want to give you three things today that James gives us on how to experience hope in the midst of perilous times. And the first one is in verse 13. It says, If any one of you is suffering or afflicted or enduring hardship, if anyone is among you is suffering, let him pray. Point number one is, hope comes through prayer. Is anyone suffering? I don't need to have a raising of the hands or anything because I know all of us are suffering in one way or another, facing different things, some worse than others, of course, but he says, if you're suffering, pray. Easier said than done, I know. At face value, it seems simple enough. But really, when we're suffering and when we're afflicted, when we're really going through it, the flesh loves to rise up in our lives. It loves to take root. It's almost like the flesh is saying, this is my time in this weakened state. Most often, it's more like, if any of you are suffering, get upset, get mad, get depressed, Write that post, send that email, yell at that person. It's almost like if any of you are afflicted or there's someone afflicting you, go after them, tear them down. Don't let them take any advantage of you. And you know, God predicted that in us. You know that, right? Remember back in the Old Testament or what's known as the Old Covenant? Remember that? You remember when he said an eye for an eye? Remember that? An eye for an eye. And the idea is if your eye's gone, go ahead. Justice would be to take their eye out. But rarely, have you noticed, rarely do we desire that type of justice. Usually what we desire isn't quite justice, it's vengeance. And this is what it sounds like. 
I'll take your eye and a little bit more. Or on a more personal level, you have hurt me so bad and I have hurt for so long. I want you to feel my pain. I want you to feel as bad as I have and a little bit more. And that's the old covenant, eye for an eye. God knew that if he didn't limit it, then there would be, it would be massive. It would never end. It would never end. But we don't live under the old covenant. We live in the new covenant, the covenant of grace, the covenant that is laid before us by the very, every time we take of the communion elements, we're remembering the blood of Jesus Christ that entered us into a new covenant, not of our works, but of his work. And here's what Jesus taught us in the new covenant. It it is so starting that people don't like it. They don't live by it. And Jesus said this, hey, you know, if somebody strikes you on the cheek, punch them in the gut. No. What does he say? Say it out loud. If somebody strikes you on the cheek, pretty much good variations. Turn the other cheek. And then to some of you go, well, I only have two cheeks, so the third time, it's over. It's on. But that's not the point. Jesus went on. He said, if somebody asks you for your coat, Give them your coat and your tunic. There's a generosity now with pain and hurt. Oh, and not only that, if you're asked to go a mile, what are you supposed to do? We have the phrase, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Oh, how about this? You go keep, keep going farther, keep going farther. When you're falsely accused and when you're lied about and when you are brought to the cross... Fight your way out of it. No. Jesus laid down his life innocently. You see, if you're not careful, church, you're going to be listening to the wrong book. We have one document, one document that rules over our lives. You know what that document is? The Word of God. One document. We have one shepherd, the good shepherd. And he's not me or you or whatever popular voice. It's one shepherd, the good shepherd, that we hear his voice and we follow him. You see, I believe that hope comes through prayer because prayer immediately connects us to the God of hope to God who laid down his life, to the God who saw wretched, wicked humanity doing wretched, wicked things and out of love sent his only begotten son to die on behalf of sinful men and women. And lest we forget, we were the ones Jesus came to die for. Not just they, but we. You and me. Are you afflicted? Hopeless? Pray. Pray. I know this isn't easy for me. This isn't easy for me. No, I'm sure it's not easy for some of you. I'd rather fight my own battles. I've made that mistake too many times. I'd rather give people a piece of my mind, try to argue them into submission. But I'm wrong every time I do that. I'm wrong because our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual battle. 
It's in the spiritual realm. We have to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. We don't want to find ourselves in a place of grumbling and grudges. We want to forgive. It's the new covenant. We don't want to find ourselves hypercritical and criticizing. We want to make a change. We, we want to submit ourselves to God. It's our lives that, it's our lives that we control. I mean, think of this. Job in Job 13 verse 15 said, though he slay me, I'll trust him. All that I'm going through in my personal pain, Job says, I trust God. I think of the psalmist when we learn in Psalm 23, like, like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. I think of Romans chapter 8 at the end in verse 39. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And that's such an encouraging verse. Job, your faith encourages me. Oh, you know, David, if I ever get to the valley of the shadow of death, your psalm encourages me. Oh, Paul, writing to the Romans, nothing will separate. But you have to understand, there are seasons in our life where we're slayed. And there's seasons in our life where the valley of the shadow of death seems like it will never end. And there are times in our lives that it seems like every force of hell is trying to separate us from the love of God. How about the one that Jesus said? Jesus said something super encouraging. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He didn't say the gates of hell wouldn't come against the church. And it seems like every demonic attack is unleashed upon you and me, the church of Jesus Christ. But not everybody is going through trials, which brings us to number two, which is kind of cool. It seems a little out of place, but it's not. He says in verse 13, if anyone's suffering, let him pray. Then he says, if anyone's cheerful, let him sing. And so some of you just have the disposition of being encouraging and relatively happy in difficult times. Like you just have that that personality that it's not that you don't feel like the pain or anything. That's not true. You feel it like everyone else, but you have a disposition where you're cheerful more often than not. And for those of you that are cheerful, what does the Bible say? Sing. And you go, Ed, why? Well, because we need you and we need to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice in difficult times. Sing. In Ephesians, it says, the Bible tells us as believers to sing to one another. So try that this week. Just be walking through King Supers with your milk and your bread and just sing to the person behind the plastic protecting them. Just sing. What are you doing? Oh, I'm doing what the Bible said. I'm supposed to be singing. Pastor told me to sing to you. What song would you like to hear? <laughs> sing your heart out. You know as well as I do, I already mentioned it, that we've been enduring online services, we've been watching online, maybe you've been watching another church, you're watching this church, you're part, you've been worshiping and it's been good, it's been great. I know I watch some friends of mine, I enjoy their services, I love it, I love it, I love it, but it's not the same as being here personally. There's just something about being in a room with other believers that God created us and you walk in, like, like you get here, just think about today, Some, someone here just, they, they got you, didn't want to come to church, didn't want to come, you, you, and you're on your way and then somebody cut you off, you go, oh, I'm just going to go home and then you come up here and some dude's yelling at you, is he still out there? Some guy yelling at you with a bullhorn, he was earlier services, and you're like, I just can't make it, why, why is everybody so mad at me? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go home, but you go, nope, I'm already here, park your car, come through, something else, you finally sit down, and then the first note 
of song start and everything changes. You're like, oh Lord. And the room is filled with the joy of the Lord. There's something about singing out loud. And don't you worry about people making fun of you. Don't worry about people laughing. Don't worry about anybody because you're singing unto the Lord. And if you're cheerful, sing your heart out because we need to hear it. We need to receive it. I love to be surrounded by encouraging people because it speaks to my soul. It speaks to my mind, but also to my soul that you would encourage me through singing songs. It's great too, because you sing whatever you want. You know, just, if you don't even know the songs, just make it up. Just sing whatever you want. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You ever sing songs for so long and you're just singing them, you enjoy them. Might even be your favorite song. And then you read the lyrics and you're like, oh, that's what that says. <laughs> Nobody cares. Just sing your heart out. Nobody cares if you get the words right because God sees the heart and we hear it. But some of you are like, well, you got that lyric wrong. You got that lyric wrong. Stop it. Let's sing together and let the Lord minister to us. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing. And then the final one, notice in verse 14, it says, the root of hope in tumultuous times, perilous times, if anyone's sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. This is literally what it sounds like. If you are sick, call for the elders of the church. And the elders of the church will anoint you with oil and pray over you by faith, asking God to heal you according to his will. That's exactly what it means. Notice he also ties it spiritually to the forgiveness of sins. So there are spiritual implications of this as well. The Holy Spirit is often typified in the Bible by oil. So there's a sense of, of that acknowledgement of the oil, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the healer, Jehovah Rapha. This is literal, that's exactly what it means. But also let's step back for a second and consider an application in a moment because when you're sick, you should ask the elders to pray for you. Like when we started gathering together smaller groups, uh, to test some things, you know, weeks ago, uh, somebody came up and said, hey, did you know so-and-so was in the hospital uh, with COVID for over two weeks, you know, back in the beginning of it? And I said, no, how would I know? Nobody called. How would I know? How, how could we know unless you call? And many times there's this frustration, well, nobody knew I was, in, but call us. If you call us, we'll come. Like, I don't know how we would navigate because they weren't letting people in the hospital, but we'll come in the parking lot and we'll take oil and we will throw it at the window of your room and we will pray over you. We'll find a way. There was even one of the visits that I was able to do that everything was locked down, but I was able to get in, kind of with permission, but I was able to get in because God can make a way when there's no way. But if they never called me, I would have never gone because I wouldn't have known to gone. To go. And so there is that need to call. But let me take this to bring an application. Ready? When you're in crisis, call for help. When you're in crisis, call for help. I know it requires humility. And I know it requires, call the church. We're here. Text the number. Here's the number, 24-7. Ready? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 720 336 0897. Yes, that is a real phone number. 
336-0897. Hearing this message in Texas, Florida, where this will be broadcast, New Jersey, all over the country, around the world, use that number. It's monitored. And we pray. And we'll find you help in your community if you need it. We'll give you an outlet of someone close, some church nearby that might be able to reach out to you. But call for help. Let alone that going out, you guys, when you're in affliction, call for help. You could call the church where the pastor's here. You could call a friend, a trusted mentor, a brother, a sister. You guys that are younger, call for your parents. Get your parents involved in your life. Let them speak into your life. They love you. They want to help you. When in crisis, call. So hope comes from prayer. Pray, sing, and call. Simple enough, but powerful truths of where hope springs eternal from the Holy Spirit living in us, our relationship with God. And you know, it, it, it starts, we're never going to be able to make a difference in our culture until we have a real right relationship with God. Right? The Bible says, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind then love your neighbor as yourself. So all true love first comes from God. He's the initiator, and it comes through us to others. We can't manufacture it. It's something God gives to us. We're to keep our eyes firmly fixed. Like everything starts and ends with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the author and the what? Finisher. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. It's everything to him, from him, in him. And he's the hope of of our lives. Without him, we're lost as lost can be. Church, I know it's hard times. It's been very, very challenging. I've been doing this a long time and most challenging time ever in my life. And we've dealt with some really difficult things in this church. But it's only steeled my resolve to love God and to love you. Remember John chapter 13 said that They'll know that we're real disciples by our love for one another. And I pray that God is taking you step by step as he begins to use you in a new and a fresh way. We think of last days and you think of all that's going on. I want you to think that as bad as it is, God said the closer Jesus comes, the harder it's going to get. And that even toward the last days, people's hearts are going to faint and believers or so-called believers are going to turn their back on the Lord. They're going to fall away. And it's God's desire that we come to him, the God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in mercy and truth, Psalm 86, 15, so that we can then take others directly to him as well. So if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, as the worship team comes back up, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, that is the key here. That's what's important. This is the time. You're watching online, listening. I realize if you've been with us through the whole time, it's been some challenging things I've shared. But we're living in challenging times. And I think it's important that you know that I'm committed to the gospel. I'm all in. I'm all in, and I know many of you are all in, of what God wants to accomplish in your life. 
And he wants to use you and he wants to love you and he wants to heal your broken heart and the hurt that you feel and the fear that you experience. He wants to protect you and guard you. He wants to help you step into his will in a new and a fresh way like never before. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, then you're, you're separate. Like there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between you and God, but God is inviting you into relationship with him. He's inviting you into relationship with him. That you would repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. And I want to invite you to do that. Maybe you're watching online and I don't see you. But for the sake of anyone in this room, if that's you, would you just stand to your feet because I want to pray with you that today God would bring you to a place of surrender for the very first time, a place of repentance, a place of the newness of life. Is there anyone here? For you that are watching or listening, and we don't have the privilege of seeing you, I want to lead you in a prayer what the Bible says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you could just simply talk to God, <clears throat> which is the basic definition of prayer, where you can say, God, forgive me of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to die for me because you love me. And I want to dedicate my life to following you. I'm asking for your help, God, to turn my life away from sin and to submit my life to you. And anyone that prayed that, God, has heard your prayer. And it's not just words that save you, you know, it's God giving new life. And if you responded to the gospel and you're online or on the radio, go to our website, calvaryco.church. Scroll down to the bottom. How to know God is everything we give away here. You can print it out, save it, forward it, post it on your social media so that people know the next steps in following God. You can also text us and let us know. I gave the number earlier, 720-336-0897. You guys as a church, you can pass that out, give it out. Tell people they can use it anytime, 24-7. You can use it anytime. And then for us here today, you guys are learning. If this is your first time back, you're learning. We have to do things a little different. So thank you for sitting through the whole service. Because the whole point of the different um, having social distancing and stuff is the state says that they don't want everyone walking by each other. So this side's going to exit those doors. This side's going to exit those doors, and you guys are going to exit out the doors so that we can maintain that social distancing. And here's how we'll do it. We're all, let's start now. We're all going to stand for the song, but we got to stick around for the song, please. So let's all stand together. We're going to stick around for the song. Pastor Ian will have you sit down, and then, we'll, like Everett said, we'll go out the last rows first so that we're not walking by each other and just minimizing that. Thank you for your patience. I know it's very different than ever before. Usually it's just like 300 people are stuck at the doors trying to get out, pushing their way through. So we've, we aren't going to do that. You got those doors are going to be exits. Those doors will be exits. I feel like a, a steward in the airplane. Those doors are there and those doors are there. 
And then for prayer, we added something since last week. So instead of coming up here, don't, please don't come up here for prayer. If you need prayer today and you're in this room, as everyone's exiting, you just stay seated. The pastors will come to you. You just stay there, be patient with us, we'll come up to you. And the reason we're not coming up is you don't want people passing, you know, walking by. Like, that's what they are requesting from us, and that's what we're going to give to them. And we'll just keep waiting till the restrictions get lessened. But until then, thanks for your patience. May the Lord bless you, encourage you, and strengthen you. Let's sing this unto the Lord. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.